0: Visiting Grandpa's Brain Written by Jason Werbeloff, And read by Mark Ryan Reese. I'm not sure what it is about the Vatican City in the autumn. Maybe it's the way the afternoon light glints off the undead's eyes. Or the rich blend of colour, as the burgundy leaves anoint the putrefying carcasses hanging from the mulberry trees. Ah, sighs Dimitri. Do you smell that? Do you? Yes, I reply, winding down the passenger window. They wash them, according to the tourism pamphlet, the undead corpses. Every morning, the monks hose them down with lavender-scented holy water. And it's good for the mulberries, too, the pamphlet says. I'm not into neo-Catholicism. Not really. Which is ironic, given that my grandfather is a search engine. Dimitri has his heart set on religion, though. Bless the poor Sod so it wasn't difficult to convince him to visit Grandpa with me. Oh, thank you! His eyes had sparkled when I suggested it. Now I look at my newlywed husband, folded over the steering wheel, craning to get a better view of the undead hanging in the branches. His face appears a decade younger. Maybe two. He might even look... handsome. Oh, he cries. The music! I must admit... The falsetto chorus that greets us as we drive up the boulevard toward the great city is astonishing. I cannot halt the tingle creeping up my spine. The undead are castrated by the bishop himself, I read the pamphlet aloud, so their voices are pure as birds of paradise. Dimitri beams. You can't beat this. He leans over to me and plants a wet kiss on my cheek. I love you, Sandra. Sandra. I wipe away the saliva. The last time I saw Grandpa, I was six years old. I don't remember much, but I remember his hands. They were gnarled and trembled whenever they touched me. Grandpa is doing a brave thing, Ma had said. I stood at the foot of the bed, watching Grandpa's toes wiggle under the blanket. He's going to help people. Then why are you crying, Ma? Because, Ma sniffed, "'Because it's such a happy day.' "'How will he help people?' "'Well,' Ma said, lifting me up onto her hip. "'People need information. "'Say it. "'Information. "'That's right. "'Information is the most important thing there is. "'More important than me?' "'Yes,' Ma replied after a moment.' And more important than Grandpa. That's why Grandpa is going to help people find information. I nodded, not understanding. Did you bring it? Dimitri asks, breaking the memory. I resent it when he does that, when he talks while I'm thinking. Well, I resent it when he talks, whether or not I'm thinking. It's his voice. You know the kind, all polite and upbeat grates my nipples. Yes, I answer. I turn away from him and rub the cool edges of the flash disk in my palm. What did you bring for him? Just some logic puzzles, I lie. I stroke the blue metal, thumb the teeth of its port. I think we turn left, says Dimitri. Two hover arrows are suspended in front of the car. The left arrow close a combination of blue, red, yellow, and green. Of course, I say, in the least irritable tone I can muster. Isn't it glorious, Sandra? Dimitri says, as the hovercar glides toward the dome. Glorious, I mumble. I think this is it, says Dimitri, stating the obvious. The luminescent sign is high enough to touch the growing storm clouds above us. Zoogle, it says, with a tiny little T-M above and to the right of the E. I grunt and open the passenger door. The sooner this is over, the better. I feel guilty, almost. Isn't this exciting? An orgasmic glow has enveloped Dimitri. Sure, he's into his religion and all that. But really, what he wants most is to see the search engines. It's what he studied at college. It's what he reads about. It's all he talks about. And when he found out that the girl he was dating had a grandfather whose brain is a search engine, the marriage proposal followed shortly. He grips my hand and pulls me up the stairs to the exhibition hall. The stairs are marble, polished to a sheen that couldn't be matched by even the cleanest undead's eyeball. The marble burns crimson in the sunset. I can't believe it, says Dimitri. A tear travels down his cheek. We are really here. Welcome, says a monk in a white robe, to Zugal. Look, Sandra, just look! There's no denying how impressive the Zugal Dome is. Three miles high and twenty miles in diameter, according to the pamphlet, it houses all the brains that power the ubiquitous search engine. They lie in the great walls of the dome, suspended in fish-tank-sized vats of nutrients, brain after brain, innumerable. It's an honor to have you visit, says the monk, extending a pale, hairless hand. Glad to be here. I shake the rubbery appendage. Your grandfather was one of our first donors. The monk crosses his chest. He's from the days when becoming a search engine was voluntary. A great man he is. We're bringing him down to you now. The monk points to a barely discernible flashing blip on the horizon. The lighting in the dome is dim, and I strain against the haze to spot the approaching tank. Grandpa's brain moves at a marvellous velocity. Hovering about ten yards above the mosaic floor, it takes only half a minute for the tank to travel from the far wall almost twenty miles away. I try not to flinch at the sight of the approaching projectile. It breaks and comes to a standstill above our heads. The vat slowly descends until Grandpa's brain hovers at eye level. Could we have some privacy? Maybe use one of your chambers? I ask. Um, ma'am, that isn't standard procedure. I wink at him and push out my cleavage a little, let my hair fall to one side. We won't be long. The monk sighs. Ah, I guess I could arrange something. Dimitri doesn't notice the exchange. His eyes are glued to the tank, his fingers tracing the folds of brain against the glass. Lit up by the tank, his face appears almost angelic. I swallow the last of my guilt. This way," says the monk. I follow him, dragging Dmitri by the wrist. The tank hovers after us. With his body-length robe, the monk glides across the floor as he moves to a section of the dome wall thirty yards away. The wall looks like every other part of the dome, concave and covered in tanks, and in each tank, a brain. His fingers tap on the glass of one of the tanks. It looks just like every other, but in a moment, the tank is gone. A panel behind it slides aside to reveal a hidden chamber. The monk gestures for us to enter and stalks away, but not before warning me that he'll be back in ten minutes. All right, then. Fifteen. The room is brightly lit, and my eyes struggle to accommodate the extra photons. The walls, about four yards square, are bone white. Dimitri flinches when Grandpa speaks. Hello, Sandra, he says. The last time I heard that voice, it was spoken through Keanu Reeves's lips. About a year ago, I was sitting in my living room, sipping a Bloody Mary and watching my favorite oldie on a new hollow screen. It was the part of the film I love best, when Keanu Reeves slows the bullets before they have a chance to rip him up. The way he stares at them, just so, and they fall to the ground. They were about to fall, those dozen slugs of lead, when the image froze. Yes, you heard me right. It froze. Jesus, why did you pause play? I did not, said Jesus in the tranquil drawl I'd begun to detest. Need to change the AI to some other personality, I thought, when I have the time. Then why isn't the damn movie playing, Jesus? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Jesus, have you got a virus again? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, Jesus, I say. I don't have time for this. Is this one of your practical jokes? Because if it is... Sandra? I hadn't heard that voice before, not emanating from Jesus's speakers. Although, the baritone timbre sounded familiar. "'Sandra,' the voice repeated, "'can you hear me?' "'Uh, yes. Who is this, and how did you find your way into Jesus?' Keanu Reeves stared at me, as if frozen in amber, the bullet suspended in the air inches away from his flared nostrils. And, I shit you not, as the voice spoke, Keanu's mouth moved. "'I know this will be hard to believe, Sandra,' Keanu said. "'It's me, Grandpa.' I need your help. Grandpa? Yes, Munchkin. I take a deep breath. I've missed you, Grandpa. I'm sorry I didn't visit. He doesn't respond to that. Is it lonely? I ask, being a search engine. I didn't mind at first, said Grandpa, speaking through Kiana's mouth. None of us did. We thought we were doing something noble donating our brains to Zoogle. With the price of precious metals so high, they couldn't afford to build more servers. But why make computers when brains could do the job just as well, often better? And my body was dying anyway, so I thought, why not? I'd visited Grandpa in Vatican City only once with Ma, when I was about ten years old, but we'd never gone back again. It upset Ma too much to see Grandpa's brain floating in a tank like that. So the last time I heard Grandpa's voice, before he spoke to me on the hollow screen in my living room, was about twenty years ago. Listening to him talk through Keanu's mouth, yeah, you could say it made me all teary. But what's it really like, Grandpa? Being a search engine? It's not too bad. It's like wearing really, really wide glasses with binoculars attached. But Sandra, I'm here to ask for your help. Since the Vatican possessed Zugel after Judgment Day, they, well, it's hard to explain, but they've been preventing us from doing our jobs. They're changing our search results, putting Jesus into everything. Neo-Catholicism, that sort of thing. The other brains and I think it has to stop. We want to remove Jesus, secularize the net. A cold shiver passes over me as I gape into Keanu's pallid face. But Jesus, Gramps, Jesus is in everything. I know, girl. Scientific progress has grinded to a halt. The world has gone nuts ever since Judgment Day, since the undead rose from their graves and the Vatican took over. "'Why can't you do it without me?' I asked. "'Remove Jesus from the results.' "'We can't. "'They insert biological programming into our brains.' I lean back in my hoverchair and think. "'I don't know what to say, Grandpa. "'You said I could help?' "'There's a man.' Dmitry Sonkaev He's a search engine specialist, knows everything there is to know about us, and knows the codes to override our programming. Find him and bring me his brain. Now, standing in the white room at the Zugal Dome, I swing my gaze from Dmitry's odd expression to the tank. Are you ready? asks Grandpa. I use the edge of my fingernail to separate the flash disk from its casing and pop open the device. Dimitri stares at the brain, confused. "'Ready for what, sir?' "'Do it now, Sandra,' says Grandpa. A tear rolls down my nose and along my upper lip. But, as I practiced a dozen times in the mirror before I arrived, I point the laser at my husband and press the trigger mechanism. "'What's going on, Sandra?' The laser pulses from the fake flash disk and strikes Dimitri squarely in the chest. The shock of the impact throws him back a step and he knocks against the tank, but with barely enough force to disturb its neuroconductive liquid. His mouth opens to let out a scream, but the high-energy laser is doing its work, carving a hole in his chest the size of a soccer ball. Dimitri manages a startled gurgle, and then he's on the floor, the whites of his eyes hemorrhaging. My shoulders relax when his body stops twitching. Quickly, says Grandpa. Get the brain into the tank before hypoxia sets in. I kneel over the body and aim the laser at the temple of Dimitri's skull. Not too long in each spot, Sandra, Grandpa warns. Move the beam across swiftly, just enough to pierce the bone. Don't want to damage him. Blood oozes from the laceration but the heat from the laser cauterizes the wound as it sweeps across my late husband's forehead. That's it, girl. Turn him over and cut the other half of his head open. The smell of burning hair fills the fluorescent lit room. I know I should feel something. Horror, shame, guilt. But all I can think about is Dimitri's brain dying before I can get it into the tank. That, and when the monk might return to check on us. I glanced toward the open doorway. The monk isn't there. Okay, good. Now, lift off the top of the skull. That's right. Pull on it. Yeah, really dig your hands in there, Sandra. Scoop out the whole thing. Yep, you're almost there. Snip the brain stem. And yes, there you are. Lift the lid of the tank. "'You're doing well, Sandra. Place him next to me. That's it. Gently now. Excellent.' Two brains float in Grandpa's vat, one a little pinker, a little fresher than the other. The neuroconductive liquid darkens with the introduction of blood from Dimitri's brain, but the filters scrub the liquid clear soon enough. Adrenaline trembles, my bloody hands. "'Perfect.' says Grandpa. I'm reading his memories now. Nice guy. Pity we had to do this, but I think I found the codes to overriding my programming. Ah, yes. Got them. 1,062 miles away, Mary Swanson, card-carrying member of Jesus Corp, opens her internet browser. She ignores the persistent rapping at her office window. The neighborhood undead Adopted just last month by the body corporate, is hungry, and it's her turn to feed it. She has some leftover turkey from last night's dinner, but that will have to wait. Her heart beats a little easier when her default site launches on the hollow screen. Zoogle.com Below the multicolored page title, Zoogle's slogan shouts in brazen lettering, Because Jesus died for you. Ezekiel 2517 She types into the search bar. Pastor Ray held forth on the verse in his sermon this morning, and Mary Swanson wants to suck up every morsel of goodness she can from the mouth of God. But when, after an uncharacteristic delay, the search results pop up, Mary gasps. Oh, Jesus, she says. Not one, not even one neo-Catholic search result greets Mary Swanson. Oh, Dear Jesus. The End